I walked down the hill and stuck out my thumb, standing in the same spot where I had stood when I hitchhiked to high school. My clothes and gear were in my official Boy Scout backpack, a big old thing on an aluminum rack with my sleeping bag and pup tent lashed to it. I'd been a serious Boy Scout. I joined at 12 after my failed Little League career and took to it immediately, racking up merit badges and making it all the way to Eagle Scout. I knew first aid, how to start a fire in the rain, how to make a mean camp stew, and lots of other useful stuff. And I didn't mind sleeping outside, which was a good thing, since there was no way I could afford motels. My official Boy Scout sheath knife, a serious piece of business with a leather-wrapped handle and a five-inch blade, was also in the pack. I'd move it into my boot by the end of the first day. The first ride I really remember was in D.C., where a very nice guy in his 40s drove me around and showed me some of the sights. The White House, the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument. Then very casually started talking about a private sex club he belonged to in the city, and asked if I'd like to go there with him. I declined, and he wasn't the least bit upset or pushy about it. Just said they all had a lot of fun there and I'd probably enjoy it, but he certainly understood, and maybe another time. He dropped me off on the south side of town. It had never occurred to me that a mid-afternoon orgy with strangers might be an option on the first day of my trip, or any other day for that matter. By the time I crawled into my sleeping bag that night, however, I had been propositioned two more times, once by a middle-aged salesman in a nondescript sedan, and once by a country music lover in a pickup truck, who asked me in a deep southern accent if I wanted to have some fun drawing out the word in a way that left no doubt about what kind of fun he was suggesting. I did not, and I asked him to pull over and let me out right there, which he did. It was after nine. I'd been traveling for more than twelve hours. I climbed over the guardrail and scrambled back through the thick roadside brush about fifty yards, far enough, I figured, to keep me safe in case somebody fell asleep at the wheel and came flying off the interstate. I'd probably had about a dozen rides, which meant the sex offers were running at 25%. It depressed me that all these lonely people were riding around asking strangers for sex, and that I was going to be fending off their advances all the way to California and back. It was sad, but it also creeped me out, which is why I started carrying my knife in my boot. In fact, though, it never happened again. That first day turned out to be some kind of weird statistical blip or something. Over the course of my journey, I was offered food, alcohol, drugs, and places to stay by people who gave me rides. But except for the chance to appear in a porno flick in L.A., which I viewed as more of a job opportunity than a proposition, and which I turned down, sex never came up again. The next day, I hitched west across half of North Carolina and all of Tennessee. Some beautiful country, for sure, even when seen from the interstate at 70 miles an hour and every exit seemed to have a state forest or a lake or a historic site. Natchez Trace, worth visiting. But I wasn't interested in any of that. All I cared about was mileage. I had no schedule, but I was in a hurry just the same. I should have been rambling, I guess, like the mellow hippie I wanted to be. But the road has a funny way of taking over. It gets hold of you, and the only things that matter are time and distance. I'd been out for only two days, but once I was on the move, I wanted to stay on the move. It was night by the time I reached Memphis. Getting through or past big cities could be a pain in the ass because of the beltways that carry traffic around them. 
The Beltway's screaming loops of interstate highway had different numbers, and there were lots of confusing exits and interchanges. I got dropped off on the east side of Memphis in the dark and found myself on what was basically a local entrance ramp to Interstate 240, which swung south and west around the city, then north before linking up again with Interstate 40 on the west side of the city. Cars were few, and there were no cozy patches of woods where I could unroll my sleeping bag, just warehouses and weedy lots. It's interesting in a strange way to be so dependent on random encounters with strangers to give up so much control and simply trust in the existence of your next ride, to believe that it's out there somewhere and that it's coming for you. It's an act of faith, and on that God-forsaken entrance ramp in Memphis that night, my faith was rewarded by the appearance of a happy-go-lucky trio in a compact car.